if you're a business owner or even an executive in a larger business, is there a sacrifice you're making when it comes to family and your personal life? You dedicating all your time and energy to things at work and letting other things go by the wayside. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we are going to talk a lot about the personal side of trying to run a business or be an executive. People who might be really good at what they're doing when you get to know them and find out a little bit about their personal life, the story's not so good. Uh, my guest today is actually a former pastor, and he's got a uh, a good history and firsthand knowledge of dealing with the mess behind the success. And uh, his name is Kyle Sullivan. He's coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Kyle, welcome to the show, man. Doug, I'm excited to be here and excited to have this conversation today. I, I, I like that tagline. I think you've got, and I might not have said it exactly right. What is it? Uh, have the success without the mess. Yeah, that's that's perfect. We maximize success without creating a personal mess. I like it. I like it. So give us a little bit of your backstory. I alluded to a couple of parts of it, but um, fill in the blanks for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a pretty colorful uh, upbringing and past. I was in athletics all my life. I from a small town in Louisiana. Uh, sports were my thing. That that's where I learned teamwork and and collaboration and leadership and all of that. That was that was everything to me. And through the course of high school, got wrapped up in uh, you know kind of the partying jock life and uh, got into drugs, got into partying, got into college, and it just intensified. And my life radically changed when I got jumped at a drug deal. And I said, you know what? I don't want my life. If this is what this life gives, I'm going to do a different thing. And so for me, that's where I accepted Christ. I started going to church. And that led me to a 13-year career uh, in ministry. And while I was in ministry, I uh, met my wife. I met her uh, 12 years ago. We've been married nine years. we got two kids under two and a half. We joke that we have we have three kids. We have Piper Grace. That's our daughter, two and a half. We have Unleash the Champ, which is the business that's two years old. And then we have our son, Bo Grant, and he is one. And so it's a, it's a fun, wild, crazy time, but it's a, it's really exciting. And so what my passion is, is I've, I've counseled and coached so many people over 13 years that just as you said, and they got all the success They're They're generous. They have the, you know, the American dream. Everything from the outside looks amazing. But if they're bold enough to be honest and say, hey, how's things behind the scenes? Let's pull back the curtain. There's some things that they wish could have been different or they wish are different. And that's where I fit into the marketplace now. Yeah, that is such an important element. Um, and as you were describing that, I quickly did a stroll down memory lane in my my uh, tape library in my brain, and there was an HR professional I worked with in my banking days, 
And she was the first one that said she wanted to dig into people's personal lives to determine what kind of employee they were going to be. And we all thought, oh, you know, you're, you're breaking privacy and you're, you know, you're really stepping over the line. And she said, I'm not talking about, um, getting in the middle of it. She said, what I'm talking about is we hire people that are whole individuals and we need to know something about all aspects of, you know, who they are at home in their personal life, as well as what they might be for us. She was just a fan of saying, I don't, I don't want to hire a, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of personality. I don't, in the long run, they will not work for us. Yeah, 100%. And, and I love how she said it and how you explained it. Where You're hiring a whole person. You're not just hiring one phase, and that's the professional. Because as much as we'd like to say, and I definitely had bosses over the years and leaders that said, hey, leave your personal life at the door. That's just not how that's not how things actually work. It's good in theory, poor in practice, and so I love that. It's it's so true. Yeah. Well, and oftentimes I have coached and counseled with people that describe having a. They feel like they are living a dual life. There's the personality they are at work, and then there's the person they either feel like they need to be or are reverted to be at home. And, you know, the home life may be the one that's not real happy, but you ask yourself, why, you know, is it, is it because you're giving away all of your uh, energy to the work and not having any energy left for home? So talk to us about some of the dynamics that, you, you know, people have brought to you when, when they, start getting a little vulnerable and admitting the challenges they're fighting? Yeah. So Doug, I, I work people through and we identify what, what is important to them within what I call the playbook. So in our playbook of life, there's four phases. You have your personal, that's your body. How are you taking care of the one body you got? And until science catches up, we're not getting another body. So we got to take care of that. Our relationships, that's relationship to yourself first and then to others. Your emotional well-being, that's your, your mental health, that's your mental performance. And then in its proper place, in my opinion, is your professional goals. And so a lot of times it's going, hey, like I got all this success. I got all this, you know, I'm, I'm an executive. I, I have the salary and I have the cars and I have the homes and all of this stuff. But, man, I, I hadn't taken care of my body in 15 years and I used to be xyz now i'm not i used to be able to do this but now i can't and that's one issue another is you know hey i've i've put myself you know a big thing in leadership is going hey you gotta be a servant leader well i think you gotta serve yourself first so that you can serve everybody else to your fullest capacity and so back for me in 2018 we'd been married a handful of years and my wife you know i was kind of at the pinnacle at that point of my leadership and organizational influence within ministry. And I was a part of a church that had, you know, locations in 11 states and all of this stuff. And my wife said, Hey, I feel like we're roommates. Well, that's, that's a, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. We hadn't even had kids yet. We yeah. were just, you know, we hadn't even added that dynamic in yet. Um, and so that's a lot of times going, okay, Hey, I, I don't know how to, 
handle the relationship with myself. I hadn't celebrated myself. I, I win. And that's, that's a lot of times helping these high level leaders celebrate their progress because what happens is they get discouraged. They feel like they're never good enough because they don't take time to acknowledge the progress they've made. And so that's one of the things we do. And then set your professional goals. That's the easiest to set. That's the easiest to identify because you have annual goals, you have annual reviews, you have your KPIs, you have you have the things that that's why when things in the first three phases of what I call the playbook is out of whack, out of alignment, we focus more on the professional because that's the thing we get praised, promoted, and propped up for. You've, you've, you've packed a lot into that statement, and let me just, in no particular order, let me uh, jump on a couple of those ideas. Number one, that celebrating success, that that's one of the biggest challenges when I talk to my business leaders. I, I will inevitably get to a discussion about how do you and your team celebrate success, and it's, it's usually not much. It, it's usually, it's kind of like the mindset is, well, we we finished that project. It was on time, under budget, but that's what we're supposed to do. And and so now let's you know it's like what's next? Let's move on. And I'm going no. You you need to you need to celebrate that win. You need to give people recognition. You need to you know whether it's a pat on the back or a you know announcement in the company newsletter or or however you go about it and it and it varies I mean, you know different people are wired for different things but nonetheless you you still have to celebrate that you you have to appreciate what you did and otherwise your good people are just going to simply get burned out they're going to say well you know i do this time and time and time again and then nobody seems to really care so I get my report once a year on what I'm doing. That's no fun. Right. You know, one of the axioms that I, I live by in leadership is what gets celebrated gets repeated. Yeah. And so if we can celebrate and catch people doing good and celebrate that, that tells them and everybody else in your organization that, hey, me as the leader values this. So we want to be praised. We want to be seen. We want to be you know, heard and, and all like, so what gets celebrated gets repeated. What oftentimes is a pitfall of leadership is they talk about the things that they don't want to be done more. The deadlines not hit, the goals not hit, the the dis, dysfunction interpersonally. And so if that, what we stare at steers us. And so if you're not balancing that with or or getting in better alignment with the celebration, because you know that's the thing that gets repeated, that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's that's such a a big part of it. Um, I like your four part model, so to speak, if I can use that word of of how you evaluate and and talk to people. Do do folks reach out to you with, with specific things they feel like are out of balance or needing help? And again, how, how does that kind of all get started? Yeah, absolutely. So typically they're not going to say, I have a problem in the relational phase of life. They're going to come to me and through a conversation, I'm going to ask questions and 
I think it's a bit of my superpower being a pastor for so long. I I go into a conversation being genuinely curious about where you're at, what you what you like, what what's frustrating you. And a lot of times it's well, just it's something feels off. Or man, I, I used to be excited about this, but I've I've kind of they maybe even wouldn't have said you know this word, but they get apathetic. Yeah. Or man, I just can't seem to to have the same excitement or energy around what I used to be. And so then inevitably I ask, okay, well, how how are you doing, you know, personally? How do you take care of yourself? What do you mean? Well, like, do you have an activity you like? Do you like yoga? Do you like tennis? Do you like going to the gym? Do you like CrossFit? Do you like whatever? Like, do you like running, biking, whatever? Like, how do you get active? Oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. There we go. Or, you know, hey man, you got all this success. Like, how do you enjoy it with your family? Oh man, I, I can't get away. You know, I don't, I don't have anybody I could trust to, to give things to. Okay. Or, you know, they just talk about that. Man, I know there's more in me. I just don't know how to do it. Okay. Or with the professional stuff, it's going. Man, we just can't seem to to get our team to jail, or I, I just keep running into the same roadblocks and obstacles in my leadership. Okay, so typically it starts off with like anything with a conversation, uh, whether it's online or through an inquiry or a, you know a local event that I'll go to um, or speak at or whatever, and then through that I can pretty well identify within ten minutes or so where I could. I could help them and then just see if I could add any value. And if it wants to go further than that, then we talk about that. Are you seeing any variance in the way those profiles come in for help? Uh, is there any variance based on generational differences? Well, the younger, the younger they are. So my youngest client uh, is 27 mid, mid level. Um, been in a company about three years, got their first, like, first team member, first couple team members. Um, mental, the emotional game is the biggest, the biggest thing they need to talk about. Um, typically with my oldest client, who is uh, 52, their biggest thing is regret about relationships. Um, and I just think that's, that's life. You know, they've, they've yeah. built a 30-year career and their kids are grown they're in, typically empty nesters and they're going, I wish I could have done some things differently. And we have to acknowledge the story and then rewrite the future. I like that. I talk about sometimes my older clients, those that are, you know, bridging over into their fifties. And so um, a lot of times and, and even older, perhaps I'll get called in and this is more particular to the um, bigger Fortune 500 kind of companies where I get asked to come coach. <clears throat> the company will be creating a coaching program and they'll have these high level leaders and the guys are in their 50s, late 50s, maybe even early 60s. And when we finally sit down one on one, they'll say, I don't know why the company's doing this, man. I, you know, I got I got retirement in my tunnel here. I, I already see it. You know, it's going to be happening. It's a few years away, but it's going to be happening. And inevitably with those guys, I try to open the, the question about, 
okay, that's fine. And you've been here all this long time. What's your legacy? You know, what are you going to leave behind when you're, when you are done, when you do step out of that tunnel and you move into that, whatever your idea of retirement is, what's your legacy going to be? And man, it, it usually always stops them right in their tracks because either, either they hadn't quite started thinking about it or the little bit they have thought about it, they realize there's some gaps, there's some opportunities they still can execute on and, and make a difference. Um, so that's, a, that's a really big deal. Uh, part of the reason I asked about the age difference, I'm curious, I, I hear a lot of employers, big and small concerned with their younger employees about the whole expectation of what is popularly called work-life balance. <clears throat> I've, I've changed that term in my world. I, I call it harmony or blend. I, I don't think balance is a good word for it anymore. Maybe that's another discussion we'll have, but what are you seeing with, with that idea in people's minds? Oh my gosh, Doug, you, if I could eliminate two words, balance, uh, two words in the human language, balance would be one of them. Uh, balance doesn't exist. Um, use harmony or uh, I use alignment. Things have to be in alignment and, and you have to have presence because balance is a barrier, but presence creates power. And so, especially younger leaders, um, again, I, I'm a millennial, um, and stereotypically about us millennials is that we want a seat at the table before we think like we just think we should come into something and have our voice heard. And we think that, you know, we shouldn't have too many expectations on us, but we want a lot of responsibility or we want a lot of notoriety. And it's like, I don't like you can't you can't not want to put in a lot of effort and, and expect to get a lot of uh, accolades or influence or whatever. And so I think with the work-life alignment or harmony, that's what we'll, we'll say because both of us are uh, in agreement with that. I think it's understanding that like there's seasons for everything. You know, like I mentioned before, I got two kids under two and a half in a business that's two years old and a wife for, you know, we just celebrated nine years. Like my life is very full right now. I, I'll get off here and our time that we're recording here and I'm going to start, you know, dinner and bath time and, and getting the kids to bed. And then after that, you know, hang out with my wife some, and then I'll, I'll wrap up the stuff that, you know, didn't get done. And so I think it's, it's better for people, especially younger leaders to say, okay, what is my priority right now? What's in alignment with that preferred future? And understand that there will be seasons for everything. There'll be seasons where you need to head down, grind it out, hustle, hustle, hustle. And then there's other times where, okay, things are relatively good. I can pull back. I can reassess where I'm at, where I want to go. And I think it's more fluid that way than just, oh, I want to have work-life balance, which really means, from my opinion, you don't want to be pushed too hard, but you want a lot for it. Well, uh, your words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, um, I can say I can say that as a as a millennial because I I just get annoyed with it, you know. But we're also Doug, like we're also the the generation that got a trophy and a ribbon for every freaking thing. Yeah, 
Yeah. My my dad was amazing. And if I could tell a sidebar, like he wouldn't allow me to accept participation trophies. Like, you know, oh, the whole team gets a blue ribbon. He's like, no, you your your team went two and seven. Like you're not you're not taking that. Like be be cordial, take it, but like we're gonna toss it in the trash can. And you know, and so my dad was very much like, hey, if you win, celebrate. If you lose, go learn how to get better. But that's not I just that's not our generation as a whole. Funny you bring that up. And it's being perpetuated. Uh I'm I'm a granddad now and I've got boys. Uh, I've got a nine year old and a seven year old that just finished a little league season a couple of weeks ago. And the nine year old's team was amazing. They they went undefeated, seventeen and zero in little league baseball. Pretty big deal. Yeah. And um, the other one, though, the uh, seven-year-old, his team, <laughs> they were like one and 12 or something like that. And we were we were all just praying for the last game to be over. And um, when we got there, um, the game was over, last pitch, and they lost. And, and we're and the coach says, we're going to have a little party. And we go off to this little park by the ball field there. Next thing I know, somebody's pulling up a trailer with these trophies. And I'm going, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're not right. doing that. Exactly. And, exactly. and so it just, it, it just perpetuates like, oh, that, my. like you said. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Another another time, I guess. But back to the the key point. I don't want to digress here. The the, the key point, the, and I'll I'll share with you the reason I did away with work life balance. I decided every time I would talk to people about that, we we quickly got into a mindset about give and take. And so to have one thing, you got to give up something else. And I'm like, that's not the way it works. Right. Because if to use just maybe a hypothetical situation. If you've got a deadline at work and the boss is saying, I really need this by Friday morning and you're sitting there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night at home, you know, you've got things going on, kids school programs or something like that. You can't just say, forget the project at work. I'm going to go to these three nights of events you're going to have to figure out how to balance all well here I use the word balance again but you're going to have to figure out how to blend all that together and get to the right answer and maybe that means um all right yeah you go to that night program but you get up extra early temporarily for that season I like your word for that season to satisfy your boss's expectation and get that project delivered on time and and essentially do it all and yeah, 100%. Um, I, I love the mindset that all these things come in season because work demands ebb and flow they're they're not a hundred percent constant high pressure although sometimes it feels like that but uh you you as the old phrase goes and this going back to my mom's generation this too shall pass and you know, right. there there are times that can feel intense, but it can balance out. But I would always encourage people, get out of this mindset of, I got to sacrifice one thing for something else. And no, don't think of it that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, we live in a, in a culture like that that says it's, like you said, it's either or. 
but really it's it's both and yeah it's both yeah and very good very good word I tell you what, Kyle, on that note, we're going to hop to a quick commercial break. But uh, when we come back, folks, we're going to dive into this a little more, this whole idea of creating the right blend or a harmony or alignment, as Kyle said, uh, for your, it's not just your personal life, but these four areas we really ought to be thinking about to be a good, well-rounded individual. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Hello again, everyone. We're back. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I am your host, Doug Thorpe, and today I'm visiting with Kyle Sullivan. And Kyle and I have been talking about this idea of finding all the angles of who and what you are as a person to do your work, strive for that success, but be successful at home and in all other facets of your life. So, Kyle, we've, in the first half, we talked about some of the, I guess I'll call them symptomatic elements of things, but now let's, let's ask the question, how? How does someone go about working these things when they feel or sense there's a gap or a problem? Yeah, absolutely, Doug. You know, I think it's important we, we identify that there is a gap. We identify that there are phases of our life, and then the important question is the implementation. How do we define where those gaps are, where the targets are? So at Unleashed the Chant, we have the four phases of life. That's the playbook. And then we have the five pillars, which is spells out champ. So Unleashed the Champ isn't just like, oh, he's in sports and, you know, he wants to do that. It stands for calling, heart, altitude, mindset, and performance. So again, as your listeners, heart and calling, why are you here? So in the four phases of your life, ask yourself these five questions. Why are you here? Why? Heart, why is it important? Altitude, where you want to go? Mindset, what do you think about where you want to go? And then performance, what do you have to do to achieve those things? Mm. So as your listeners are taking notes, again, calling, heart, altitude, mindset, performance. Why are you here? Why does it matter? Where are you going? What do you think about where you're going? And what do you have to do to get there? Do that in all four phases of the playbook. And that will start to give you the clarity of what you need to do and build out the, the, the frame that you need to operate within. I love that. And um, I I do a very similar exercise and, and anybody that's been listening to me for a while knows that um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of some Mark Twain quotes and wisdom. And one of his famous ones that I love is um, uh, he says, there's two important days in a man's life. The day he was born and the day he figures out why. And I, I think that there's a, so much significance in that. And I think anybody that has gone on that journey 
and been able to ultimately identify that why are you here uh, question is is very powerful. And then from that, you can spring up all these other um, ideas and directions. And I was that whole theme of understanding some people call it personal purpose. Um, that whole theme of understanding that came to me in, uh, in the 2008 timeframe during the last recession. And again, this is a story I've told before on the show and bear with me if I tell it again here, but, um, I got involved in a nonprofit that was helping people. It was a, it was a faith-based non-denominational organization that, I created that we were helping job seekers who had lost their jobs because of the recession back then. And um, quickly working with these people, what I realized they had all lost their sense of purpose. I mean, they, they just, they were walking dead. Uh, I mean, literally, and I, and I'm not a, a therapist by any means, and I don't want anybody misconstruing what I'm getting ready to say, but working with them to try to help them reconnect with that sense of purpose was the, was the only first step we could take because you, people start wanting to go, I want to jump into my resume. Well, no, you don't know who and what you are. How can you write a resume about that? You don't know what you know is what you used to do, but is that really the right answer? And, and I can't tell you how many people out of, we had, we coached several thousand people through that time frame, And I had hundreds of people that took huge detours in where their life had been going at that point to go into other totally unrelated areas to find work and get fulfillment. And when you, when you unleash that passion you can show up for a job interview, man, and you're going to be dynamic. You're going to be amazing. And you're, you might not even have a one minute of experience doing it, but you're going to be so hungry. They're going to say, I can't pass on this person. I have to take them. 100%. And that is oftentimes the first step when we, you know, I love the the Mark Twain quote, and I, I tweak it by one word, and I'm sure you can kind of see where I go. It's two most important days in your life is when you're born and when you unleash why. And so I love that. A second quote that I love that is to your point is by Mike Tyson. He said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love that because I think of any fighting movie that I watched with my dad growing up or I watch now and it's this bar scene and they got, and the guy stands there and he's got a plan and the bully's coming up and he just pops him in the mouth. And the guy, you know, he takes it and wipes his lip and looks at the blood and then he's got a decision to make. That's where so many of us are is we've been hit in the mouth and we, we see the blood then what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And so I love that. Connect them back to, you know, it's the purpose, it's passions. I like to say, we're going to connect you back to your championship run and get you back on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, talk a little bit more about that heart aspect, you know, really helping people figure out their why. Again, I think it is understanding, like, truly defining what do you want 
you know, I, I like to ask it like this. I said, you know, depending on your age, you either got you got two people in your mind that play genie, Robin Williams or Will Smith. <laughs> I like to go with Robin Williams. I think Will Smith as the genie was weird, but whatever. You you pick one of them. And let's say you pick the one, you got a genie, and you're gonna you're gonna rub that lamp, and the genie's gonna come out, and the answer to the questions and the things that you say you want is yes. What would it be? And oftentimes I, I have to spend some time going, okay, like, what do you want? Oh, I want to be, you know, I want to have a bigger house. Just say that. Okay, cool. Where? This neighborhood. Okay, cool. What, what's it going to look like? I don't, I don't know. Like, does it have a backyard? Well, yeah, of course it has a backyard. What's in your backyard? And I do that for relationships. I do that for your life. And, and you know, I I like to, Steve Harvey talks about creating a, every year he creates a three uh, 300 list, 300 things he wants to experience, have, do, people he wants to meet, whatever. If you really want to like peel back the layers of what do you want in life and connect back to that purpose, try to come up with 300 things you want. But so often we've been told by society that we don't, you know, don't want anything. You live a modest life, you, especially in, in church world. It's be humble. Money's the root of all evil, this, that, and whatever. And I'm going like, no, 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 no. Like, what do you want? Uh-huh. And so the first time that I did my, my hot 300 list, I got to 87. And I thought there's literally nothing else I could think of. <laughs> now yeah. I'm, I'm closer i'm closer maybe like 227 now that's a but great I've probably, done it, I've probably done it four or five times to get up to but we have to connect back to like you know john maxwell talks about the law of the lid and leadership but i think there's a law of the lid in our personal lives where we've just capped ourselves right i, I talk about we willingly walk into cages and we have to we have to rattle the cage to define like what do you actually want? Then the second piece to that is saying, okay, if you define what you want, then you have to ask yourself, who do I have to become? Because all of our listeners, I know something one hundred percent true about everybody right now listening. You know exactly what to do to be exactly where you are. So to want new levels means that you're going to have to unlearn and learn something new and get rid of the things that don't serve you anymore. But you have to be able to identify what those things are and then who do you have to become. And then the bow on all of it is saying, how committed are you to doing that? Because without that vision, without understanding who you have to become and the commitment that ties it all together, you should probably just not even go down that road yeah yeah you know part of that uh, what you were describing there is what a lot of coaches and counselors talk about as uh, limiting beliefs you you start the process of thinking big you know and immediately the tapes start playing you know the classic ones are things like um you're not big enough you're not strong enough you're not tall enough you're not pretty enough you're not smart enough uh, wherever you got that stuff, you know, back in your day, um, I 
often tell the story when I went to graduate school to get my MBA, I had to do a, a three-man oral dissertation and get passed by this board. And I, I was struggling in one area, according to one of the guys on the board. And, um, it sounded like I wouldn't, and if I, you didn't pass this, you didn't get your master's. I mean, it was just pretty much done. And, uh, there was a deliberation with the board. And when I came back in, they said, well, we're going to confer your degree. But this one prof said, but you have to do it on one condition. I thought, what? what kind of condition? He said, you have to promise me you will never take a job in the U.S. financial system. I said, what? He said, I'm not satisfied. You've learned the material about the subject of finance. And I, to me, that includes banking and anything financial, stockbroker, trader, any of that stuff. You, you just don't even think about going there. You can go anywhere else to work. And I thought, yeah, I was 26 years old and I, I thought, okay, yes, sir. Fine. I'm good with that. And, um, we, um, we went on about the way and long story short, my first job was with a bank after I got out of the army and, um, uh, worked 20 years there before I, you know, retired from that. And, and then after retiring from the bank, I went to work for the FDIC for a little while, you know, and, uh, I thought, where's that old son of a bitch? I want to find him and talk to him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and my point is these negative thoughts, you really got to think about where you heard that, who, who pasted you with that idea. And maybe it was a parent. Sadly, it might have been a parent. It could have been a teacher. It could have been a coach. Could have been a neighbor. Um, could have been somebody you thought was a friend. You know, but get rid of those limited, limiting beliefs and just blow through them and prove that you're you're better than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it goes back to what I said earlier. What we stare at steers us, and so if we're constantly looking at all, you know, what is it we're we're doing quotes here. It was it Henry Ford said, if you think you can, you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, well, uh, Kyle, I think we're going to come up on time here pretty soon. Uh, tell people how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your programs and ideas. Yeah. So the, the hub online is unleashthechamp.com, unleashthechamp.com. I'm most active social platform wise on Instagram at Kyle J Sullivan. Um, so, but the hub there, you can reach out to me. Um, I even, my email address directly to me. I love hearing stories of shows I'm on Kyle at KyleJSullivan.com. So whether it be website, email, or on social media, reach out to me. I'd love to, uh, love to hear and hear stories of how this impacted you today. Great. Well, we'll have all those links in the show notes, folks, if you didn't catch that on the flyby there. But uh, do uh, do check him out. He's got a lot of good information and uh, uh, a great leader in his own right. And Kyle, thank you so much for being on and sharing with us today, man. Absolutely, Doug. This was this was a lot of fun. I, uh, you know, I, I really do want to maybe I'll put my own little sort of explanation exclamation point here. I, I want people to think about, you know, where you are right now. I'm guessing that somebody in our audience right now is, uh, is struggling in one of those areas. You've, you've been working like a 
crazy person trying to get success in your business life, but one of those other areas is taking a hit. Uh, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your relationships, um, maybe it's your, you know, physical well-being and all that. But um, it, take to heart what we're talking about here, that uh, you perform at your maximum when you're taking care of yourself <clears throat> so that you can take care and lead others. And one of the biggest challenges of leadership, and we've already dropped a couple of names of people that do some great quotes on this subject, but they all have some version of a quote that says, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you, it starts with you. You have to lead yourself, discipline yourself, work through things with and for yourself before you can stand up in front of others. So I think that's the big theme of, of this episode today. So please, um, please take a look at that. And if either one of us can help you figure that out, let us know. We'll, we'd love to help. Do want to remind everybody if you're listening to this show on your favorite audio streaming service, we do have a video version of this over on YouTube by this uh, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You can hop over there, leave a comment, leave a like. We'd love to hear from you and find out what else you'd like to hear from us. Um, but for now, one last time, Kyle, thanks again, man. Really, Absolutely really great stuff. Good. Wish you nothing but the best. And for everybody that is listening, we're going to say goodbye, sign off, and uh, take have a great day, and hope to see you again real soon. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.